The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Demacek puts Cole Custer into the wall. They both stay on the throttle. Now they're beginning to crash. One truck goes sliding wildly. One truck is in the air. Matt Crafton upside down. The Motor Racing Network presents the tough trucks of NASCAR. 25 years and still trucking. Get the line. Mike Skinner wins it by two one-hundredths of a second. He was too bullheaded to let me pass him, and I was too bullheaded to let him have it. Brendan Gunn wins in his own backyard at the Las Vegas. Fans were in. We partied in the race shop for hours. It was a wild party night. Now here's Sprague going for second. He and Hornaday they come together. Now Hornaday they goes around, slams into the wall. To this day, he can't tell me if I ever spun him out. Because I can save it better than him. I told you he was going to yeah. say that back. I told you. From the Motor Racing Network studios in Concord, North Carolina. Here is your host, Mike Bagley. Welcome to episode two of MRN Presents the Tough Trucks of NASCAR. 25 years and still trucking. This week's show is all about the icons. It's those drivers that made a name for themselves in the NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series. We'll explore the history and the achievements of names like Hornaday, Skinner, Sprague, Bodine, Crafton, and Sauter. It is true that there are many other names synonymous with the Truck Series, but these are the best of the best, starting with Ron Hornaday. Now here comes Hornaday, the checkered flag awaits. Ron Hornaday dives to the inside, comes down to the start-finish line. He picks up the win in the Pennzoil 200, a tremendous finish. Hornaday goes way up against the outside retaining wall, gets the good run off the corner. They make contact off turn number two. Hornaday has the fender out. Ron Hornaday wins the Cummins 200 at Indianapolis Raceway Park. Richard Petty, Bobby Allison, and now Ron Hornaday, winners of five consecutive races in a row in their NASCAR careers. Hornaday takes the checkers and it's got hornaday is the best in the business but he's the best in the business because he takes absolutely nothing for granted and everybody's going to get one last shot at the master of the restart it's the- official kevin harvick will win tonight the lucas oil 150 it's also official that ron hornaday has won his fourth nascar camping world truck series championship palmdale california's ron hornaday jr was one of the original stars of the series he raced the winter heat series in 1994 for wayne spears but that partnership didn't last very long i mean i remember when we unveiled the trucks at at sonoma and uh, i got an opportunity to drive wayne spears's truck and i think it was venable and jimmy smith and all them Mm -hmm. guys but but i think we only had five or six trucks at the time and the first exhibition races there was only like four of us and then skinner got a truck with the next winter heat, I should say, in Tucson. So that yeah, was down in Tucson the first first races. And then, uh, you know, when it started in 95, I talked to Mr. Spears. And, and you know, by that time, Earnhardt gave me a call. And uh, I said, Wayne, are you going to run the, the whole truck series? He said, no, I'm not going to do that. No, it's just too much time and everything. So I said, I'm going to have to take the job with Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt wanted him to drive his truck. But getting in touch with Hornaday proved to be a challenge for Dale Sr. We all know our late Larry Nastin. He's mm-hmm. a radio guy out there. He always called Monday morning and... And I always screw with the guys and, and figure out what I what I did in racing that night. It was a Friday night or Saturday night at Bakersfield or, or Bakersfield or Saugus. And he goes, "Hey, this is Richard Petty. Is Ron Hornaday there?" <laughs> so the guys were busy. <clears throat> I've been down in Tucson for two weeks racing, and uh, the guys were busy. And this guy keeps calling up, saying, "Dale Earnhardt wants to talk to Ron Hornaday." And they keep hanging up, saying it's Larry Nassin because Larry always pretended he was Richard Petty. So come to find out it was Dale Earnhardt. Buddy Baker called me and said, did Dale Earnhardt call you yet? I said, no. He says, well, he expect a phone call from him. And, and uh, so I called back in the day. We didn't have cell phones. We stopped to get fuel in Olindy's 
T-Bird back in the day. We uh, we called the shop and says, hey, make sure uh, you take this phone call and tell them when I'm going to be in. I said, well, we've hung up on them two or three times already, so <laughs> it must be Earnhardt. <laughs> MRN's Tony Rizzuti worked as Hornaday's public relations manager during the early years with Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. He recalls the relationship the two Hall of Famers had. Dale would come down to the to the truck barn, if you would. It was by the chicken coop on Dale's property. So you had to go kind of, he had all these chickens that I think he sold them to Tyson. He had a nice little chicken company going, but the race shop was the, was the equipment barn. And so the equipment sat on one side of it. And then there was a little area where they did some fabricating and then the rest the, the trucks sat there. Um, so I don't know that he was that hands-on with the truck and the competition, but he was very hands-on, I think with Ron as a driver as how to market himself, how to how to be. I think he was really, really, I think he and Ron hit it off, but I think there was a huge competition between them because they were similar aged. Uh, they had similar egos, and they, obviously Ron hadn't had the success that Dale did on a national level, but when Ron came from California, he was as good as anybody in that state. He was he was the guy to beat. He, had the, he was the sheriff of the Palmdale Posse. And if if the posse showed up, you had to beat Ron first. And Ron drove like Dale. Uh, he was rough and tumble. He wouldn't give you a space. He'd run the crap out of you into the corner. Um, he was a he's a mean hombre behind the wheel, very aggressive. So I think they were similar in that. But I know Ron tells a great story of Ron's trying to find a place to live, and there's a house just down the street from Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. And it had been for sale for a couple of weeks. Ron kept driving by and seeing it and see it. Finally, he and Earnhardt went and got lunch one day. And Ron said, hey, I want you to check out this house down here. I'm thinking about buying this house. It's close to the shop. I think it'll be good. Earnhardt walks through that. Ah, Ron, I don't think this is for you, man. I think you need to, to look somewhere else. Really? Yeah, I know this area pretty good. I, I think you want to look somewhere else. So Ron looks somewhere else. Guess who bought that house two days later? Earnhardt. Earnhardt bought that house right underneath him. And Hornaday's like, you idiot. Well, I really liked it, Ron. I didn't want you to get it. He's thinking, you have everything. Why did you buy this tiny little house? But that was Earnhardt. Like, he didn't want Hornaday to win on something that somehow Earnhardt had missed. So uh, I, I think that side of it kept kept Ron always on his toes. Ron Hornaday Jr. went on to win his first championship in 1996. Uh, it is done. Ron Hornaday is the 1996 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion. He wins unofficially by 53 points over the second-place truck, which turns out to be Jack Sprague with Mike Skinner finishing in the third spot. And again in 1998 for Dale Earnhardt. He would win another two championships for Kevin Harvick in 2007 and 2009. And there's two celebrations with KHI crews down here on pit road. One in pit stall number three. It's for Kevin Harvick and his team as they're going to victory lane. One in pit stall number one as they go exchange high fives. It's for the championship, both the driver and car owner championship for Ryan Hornaday Jr. Another big night for KHI. His aggressive driving was the key to many of his 51 victories in the series. Johnny Sauter says Hornaday's personality on the track didn't match the personality off the track. Well, he's aggressive, you know, but that's kind of the way I felt like I am too, you know, where you, you try to, you know, maybe necessarily don't have the best piece, but you got to make something happen with it, you know, and, and Hornaday was awesome for that. Um, you know, he's just an aggressive racer, and, and he won a lot of races, and, and he's the guy, you know, maybe when you leave the racetrack, he's the guy you want to go drink beer with. I'm just telling you, like, he's the guy you want to hang out with. Like, I, I feel like 
you know, away from the racetrack, I feel like I'm a lot of fun to be around. <laughs> and and Hornaday's that same way. You just you want to, you know, that's that's the kind of people you want to hang out with. Todd Bodine competed against Hornaday from 2005 to 2013. Well, we all know what he's like on the track. You don't, Ron's probably the most hard-nosed racer they've ever had in the truck series. I mean, take no crap from nobody. You're not going to push him around, period. Because if you try to push him around, you're going for a ride, and he's going to push you right back. Uh, But off the track, man, one of the coolest guys I've ever had the pleasure We. We weren't friends when we started in the truck series, and it actually took a couple of years in the truck series to become friends. And I'm so glad that I did because him and Lindy are the two of the nicest people you ever meet. They just give you the shirt off their back, and they're a lot of fun. I mean, we had with Ron and Lindy would take their motor home, and Janet and myself would have ours, and we'd we'd actually follow each other to the races. And we a couple of times we went race to race together from track to track. Uh, and we just had so much fun and just just good people um you know i'm very i'm very fortunate to call him my friend mrn's alex hayden ron hornaday jr truly is a character he he's not only uh a nascar hall of famer obviously based off of his his on track uh record and experience there but his off the track demeanor should be hall of fame worthy as well the guy had fun all the time and not necessarily in a bad way just Cutting up, joking, always laughing, having a good time. Uh, there's been times where we, we've been driving back and forth to the racetrack in rental cars uh, or headed to the airport, whatever the case may be, and being out on the freeway or these two-lane roads, Hornaday will come flying up in his car. Uh, we had no idea he was coming up behind us, and he'd come flying up behind us, give us a little shot in the back bumper, and nothing to damage the cars. But, you know, we're riding along the, the freeway at 70 miles an hour and a little hit in the back bumper it gets your attention, and you better hang on. And then all of a sudden, he comes flying up beside you, laughing and joking, and and just waving, and just leaves you in the dust, and then slows back down and wants to to cat and mouse with you. That, but that's the kind of person Ron Hornaday Jr. is. Just had fun all the time. Uh, he's he's that type of guy that that made being in the truck series worthwhile for a lot of those guys that that made a living in the truck series because uh, the the jack sprigs the mike skinners the dennis setzers of the world uh that was that was their livelihood they didn't necessarily want to go to the top level in cup racing in the premier division because of the the time constraints that that puts on you running the truck series you can have fun it's a lot more laid back a lot more relaxed but yet you still get some of the most competitive best racing out there And, and hornaday's in the hall of fame because of all of that much of Hornaday's success came from his ability to get the best restart. We come from Saga Speedway, 40 cars started the field, and if you get points by the trophy dash and all that stuff, and they didn't burnt the field. You only had, you know, you only had 60 laps to get to the front front of the thing. Mm-hmm. And a restart, I've always knew the flagger, and I can see where he twitches his hand. And I've always learned by watching the, the car or the truck in front of you. And, and the best part is we had lappers on the inside and normal pace yep. on the outside, and you can't pass to the right only. Well, everybody tries to hold the lappers down there, and when they go, you can pass before the line. Just when the green flag drops, they're gone. MRN's Fred Armstrong. Hornaday is probably one of the best restarters I've ever uh, witnessed. And, uh, you know, and I've often thought, why is he the king of the restarts? And I think I asked him that probably in, in as many different ways as I possibly could in the interview process and got many different answers. But what I recall most uh, about that is that 
that his experience in late models, his experience in the NASCAR Southwest Tour, and his experience at tracks like Saugus, which is a just a bull ring, you know, off camber corners, they're like flat and slightly slightly debanked. Um, you know, that guy ran everything you could run at those tracks and really, you know, got used to the short format of racing. And I think that's why guys like Ron were so successful early on in the truck series because you know, he was a he was a top flight driver. He was he would drove in the Winston West series and and they visited a lot of short tracks. We had a, a Winston what's K and N West now, um, uh, Evergreen Speedway, Portland Speedway. Uh, I think they had a race at Saugus, uh, Bakersfield. Uh, you know, and, and they were short races. So guys like Ron Hornaday cut their teeth at the short tracks and they cut their teeth in the short format which meant you had to get with it mrn's steve post remembered how hornaday would use everything possible to get the victory lane uh, honestly working pit road with mrn he had kind of moved on most of the time i was had moved on so m- my experience with ron hornaday was probably more in my pr days with express motorsports with our driver randy tolsma and ron was the big guy the, the big man on campus if you will and i'll never forget we're at Monroe, Washington, and it had rained sometime the week, the day, the morning, I don't know, it rained somewhere, but on the inside of the racetrack, there were puddles, and Ron was leading the race, we were running in the second spot, Randy Tolsma was driving our truck, and Randy's out there just doing a great job, he's hanging with Hornaday, but about every third lap, Hornaday tucked the left side tires down, puddles, water splash on the racetrack, and everyone would go sliding up the racetrack, and Ron would be gone again for a while, you know, and so... I'll never forget, Dave Fuge was our team manager, and Randy gets on the radio and says, man, Hornaday, just about every third lap he does this and and everything like that. And Fuge just kind of comes back and said, I'm telling you, if you were leading the race, you better be doing the same thing too. You know, Ron was just one of those guys that, let me look around, okay, a mud puddle on the inside of the racetrack, how is that my advantage? And and he dipped those left side tires off there, and then they'd start to get a good run and catch back up with him again, and here he'd go, he's tucked those left side tires, the track would get wet up the track, they'd all skid for another lap, and that's the kind of guy Ron was. He was just, when he put that helmet on, it was everything I have to my, uh, in, 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 in my grasp, in my control, uh, my truck, uh, the adjustments we make, my crew chief, my, my, my everything else, uh, the puddle on the inside of the racetrack. How can I use this to my advantage? Ron Hornaday is truly a legendary name in the NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series. Another legendary driver from the series is known as the Gunslinger. Here they come. They're crashing in the back at the line. Mike Skinner wins it. Off turn number four, across the line, checkered flag, and the win. Mike Skinner has won the Ford Credit 300. He's two for two at Mesa Marin Raceway with a win. It appears to be a great day for the Goodrich Chevrolet as Mike Skinner comes down. Skinner with the inside. Has a truck length advantage now. Here comes Labonte looking to the inside. Is he going to make a move? No, he's not going to get there. Checkered flag in the air. Skinner wins. Crowd in Phoenix on its feet, waving the first ever NASCAR Super Truck Series by Craftsman Champion Mike Skinner wins here. Congratulations, Mike, on the first Super Truck Championship. Everybody, I'll tell you, everybody stood behind me. When we was having low times, they kept me pumped up. When we was having high times, they kept my head from getting swelled up. Mike Skinner started racing in the mid-70s after he was involved in a car accident. It was kind of a crazy story. I'll, I'll shorten it way up. I, I had a 71 Roadrunner back in the, around 75-ish. And um, it was a we used it for a trophy car at the local half mile dirt track. 
and uh, I got to carry the pretty girl out. She got to kiss the guy that won the race. So it was, it was kind of a cool deal. And then I got ran off the road about a week after that. And I was running about 100 miles an hour, going around a corner. Two guys were side by side, actually drag racing, coming straight at me. And I slid off the road. Long story short, the insurance company totaled the car. My buddy says, man, you're, you're crazy. You're, you're a hell of a driver. You, we need to make a hard top. We called them hard tops back then. So we need to make a hard top out of that thing and race it. I'm like, oh, well, you know, let me see if I can buy it back from the insurance company. So I bought the car back for next to nothing, put a roll cage in it, and went on and, and started racing. And uh, my very first race, I, uh, they made me start in the back, and I came to the front and drove away from everybody and got the white flag and instead of being a smart guy i hammered it off into turn two as hard as it would go and apparently the right front ball joint had been cracked um in in the in the initial accident we didn't catch it broke the ball joint flipped the car end over end uh three times rolled it twice landed on its roof and um I immediately had the bug. Skinner moved from California to North Carolina to pursue a racing career and soon met Richard Childress. I chased a dream, moved to North Carolina, and was, was driving a, a late model car uh, for a guy. And it's actually the, Reggie Newman. It's actually the guy that I, I ran my first cup race in 1986 with. Reggie was, was a partner of mine in the car. And I, at the time, though, I was driving his car. And we were buying wrecked cars and fixing them and selling them. And this is back when Richard Childress was doing some of the same stuff. And, you know, obviously he had his established race team. This was a side thing for him. I was at a car sale and, uh, and met him briefly. And, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. And our paths crossed a time or two. And when we go run my car, um, we would buy their takeoff tires and run used tires that came off the three car, which was really a bad idea because when the tires came off the three car, they wasn't any good anymore. But, uh, but anyway, we, we kind of built a, a, a somewhat of a relationship. Uh, actually chocolate Myers used to pull tires aside for us and stuff once in a while. And, and we'd go over and get them and they'd give us half of them and we'd give them a little money once in a while. But, um, you know, I ran two or three races there and, and, um, and got it through the tire deal and um i was went on and to, was driving for gene petty I'd, I'd, I'd won a bunch of late model races and i was kind of a hot shoe around north carolina and i'd won martinsville i'd i'd won some big races i won the beach i won a, a few places and and uh was driving for gene and we we drove a uh, we built a bush car and went to charlotte and sat on the pole and uh richard came over and says man because I, you know, God, we, was, we were looking at you, but now you're going to want too much money. We can't afford you, blah, blah. That was it. Never heard nothing else. Well, the next year, I was in the shop working. Phone rings. It's Richard Childress. Says, um, hey, do uh, you think you might be interested in driving our truck next year? And I kind of chuckled, and I said, nah, Richard, I appreciate it. I said, if Earnhardt calls in sick, though, give me a ring. I said, I'll drive that three car, but I'm not interested in driving a truck, and and. I thought he was talking about the hauler. Hell, I didn't realize that 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 NASCAR was going to come up with a, a, a NASCAR truck series. It was a super truck series back then, and uh, so it took me about a week to figure that out. Called him back, went and met with him, and kind of the rest is history. <laughs> 
Veteran Truck Series driver Dennis Setzer recalls racing against Mike Skinner long before he became a legend in the Truck Series. Mike and I raced a lot together before we ever got the Truck Series together. So we both ran Caraway Speedway. Uh, Kylie cut her teeth down at Caraway Speedway in Ashboro. And we had some really tough races at Caraway Speedway. Uh, you know, uh, at that time, Caraway was probably the best paying short track around. There were some $5,000, $10,000 win races, which was a lot back in the uh, 80s, late 80s and stuff. And we'd already had our run-ins with Mike and I had before that point. But uh, I don't think Mike and I ever had any problem. Uh, I don't think we ever had any problems in the truck series, really. We raced really hard. I, I, that one, like I say, that was maybe my big break in the truck series is the first race I ran at Milwaukee. Mike and I switched the lead in like the last 10 laps three or four times probably and a pretty exciting race for Dodge and different people right there at that time. Mike Skinner won the inaugural Truck Series race at ISM Raceway formerly known as Phoenix International Raceway. That was back in 1995. He would go on to win eight of the 20 races that season including the championship. He returned the following year and won eight more races and finished third in the standings. And along the way, he earned the nickname, the Gunslinger. It's really funny because, and I don't even remember what the track we were at, but um, we'd sat on the pole, led every lap, and just just annihilated them. And um, I don't even know what made me do it. I, I jumped up on the door and I pulled my hands up in there like I was shooting pistols off. And one of the, the, the commentators, Nick, said, well, you know, let's go down and talk to the Gunslinger. And for some reason, it just stuck. I mean, then everybody started calling me that, and, and it wasn't something that, it wasn't a PR thing. It wasn't something that I came up with. It just kind of organically happened, and it, and it stuck. So um, I wish I remembered more of it, but I've hit the wall a lot. After two full seasons in the Truck Series, Mike Skinner moved on to Cup Series competition. He would return in 2004, driving a Toyota in the manufacturer's first season in the series. Well, Basically, I had uh, rejuvenated my career by, unfortunately, when Jerry Nadeau got hurt, they had put a couple other drivers in the U.S. Army car, and they just was not having success. And they were out of the points, and they were getting where they weren't, wasn't going to make races. And, and uh, Jay Fry gave me a call and says, hey, you're, you're, you know, one thing you do got figured out is qualifying, so we, we need somebody to get us in the show. And so I went over and started driving the Army car, and we started setting on poles and having top five finishes and leading you know, most laps in a race or two and, and having some success, which rejuvenated them as a team and rejuvenated my career as a driver that, hey, maybe, maybe he's not quite washed up yet. And uh, so they had offered me a, a, a contract, but the Army only would do one year at a time. And uh, Larry McReynolds had approached me and, and, uh, with, with a Toyota deal, and, and I, we, we talked to Jim Aust, and uh, basically they were willing to pay me a, a, a very handsome salary for a truck deal and give me a three-year deal. And uh, so Angie and I talked about it and said, wait a minute, we're going to run 10 less races. We get to go truck racing again, which was the most fun we've ever had and we're going to be in really competitive stuff and so why not let's go do it and that that's kind of how it came down team owner bill davis uh, i will tell you this when when mike and i first started doing stuff together mark and i mark martin and i always talked and you know 
bounce stuff off each other and he made the comment he said there's probably not anybody out there that has more talent but he can be his own worst enemy and I don't think Skinner would deny that today I'm going to dinner tomorrow night at their house so I guess if I'll tell him what I said and he can uh, punch me out if he wants to but you know great talent great guy he and Angie are so much fun and you know we've continued to be friends to this day and I'm sure always will be and uh so much speed, but uh, he could be his own worst enemy. Travis Quapple was Skinner's teammate in 2004. Yeah, Mike was a great guy. Um, another one of the nicest guys in the garage, off the track. Um, great race car driver. Taught me a lot. You know, when in 2004, Toyota's first year, Mike was kind of the veteran guy of the group, uh, of really the whole Toyota, you know, three or four teams. Um so we all of us drivers went to Mike a lot, you know, about uh, you know situations or advice. So having him as a teammate really, uh, really helped me in that season, and, and, and uh, it brought my uh, abilities. You know, it, it made me want to beat him. You know, of course, being a teammate, you're measured off the guy who's sitting in the same equipment and comes out of the same shop. So. It really gave me a lot of drive to outrun Mike, um, and but it was always great because he had the experience and the knowledge, and you know he had a good feel of what the trucks needed. So I think he really steered the team in a good direction as far as you know aerodynamically or you know setup stuff and things like that. Um, I was lucky enough to tag along and kind of uh, get the benefits from it, but he was always completely willing to give me any advice or jump on his plane and you know give me a ride somewhere or whatever uh great guy and a great racer and he was a great mentor to me mrn pit reporter jason toy you know when mike came back to the truck series i thought it was a great thing honestly for the series because it brought you know had the star power back in there again you had the guy that won the first race and started off in 95 and went on to to run the cup series and have some uh, some success there and but coming back and driving for Bill Davis and being able to get back and, and kind of spearhead things a little bit for Toyota and kind of bringing Toyota in the forefront a little bit in the truck series, I thought was a great uh, great move on their part. Career-wise, seemed like it was a great for uh, for the gunslinger there to come in, and uh, it was great to have him back in the series in the aspect that he came back to win, and he did win. And he just he was relaxed. He had fun. He didn't feel the pressure, it seemed like, when you talked to him. But yet, and he put on that helmet, you know, took off those sunglasses, put the helmet on. He was ready to race, and he was running for a title every time. Truck Series veteran Brendan Gaughan. Oh, me and Skinner, we, uh, you know, I mean, look, you're naming the champions of the sport, and I'm just an almost was, you know. So, I mean, you're naming the, the, the biggest of the big, and I'm just lucky enough to say that I, I was learned a lot from him. But the, my biggest story with Skinner was uh, Daytona. I came back to the Truck Series after going to my cup, you know, year with, with Penske. And I got my truck team. And I'm back in my truck, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm, Vinny Bag of Donuts. I'm the, you know, I'm I've been in Cup now. I'm, I know what I'm doing, and I'm. We got a lap down because of a penalty, and we're battling for our lap back before the Lucky Dog days, and and Skinner's, you know, battling the hell out of me, and he's trying to wreck me in the truck series. You can spin somebody out without touching them. You know, you come down and take the air off their right side, that Romeo window, and you can spin them out. And he's trying for laps to get me. And he finally comes down, sucks me around. I'm spinning, and I look up the hill, and I, I overcorrect because I'm, I'm going to wreck either way. I overcorrect, and I take him out with me. 
It was Brendan gone, as we said, fearless, trying to get his lap back on the bottom side, got sideways, slid up into that outside lane. Two, three trucks got turned, one of them being leader Mike Skinner. And after the race, he comes up and yell, he's yelling and screaming. He's in my face. And I looked and I said, next time, Mr. Veteran, don't let me get you back before you, know, before you can clear me. And since then, Skinner and I have been great friends. As Mike Skinner reflects back on a legendary career in the truck series, there are several moments that stand above the rest. You know, I get asked that a lot, and there's so many of them that I, I don't know that I can... I mean, you could say the most memorable moment is when I woke up and realized that Richard Childress was asking me to drive for him. That's, that's, that's one. I mean, you could use the... the you could use the, the, the winter heat race that, that I annihilated the field in the second one after I about got lapped in the first one. I mean, you could use that last corner at Phoenix. I mean, there's so many that you could use. But, you know, one race that we did not talk about was when we went back to Phoenix for the finale of the, of the very first year of the truck series. All I had to do is finish 16th or better. And we won that race. And I had to beat Ernie Irvin to win that race. And he had Roush power, and it was tough. Skinner now with no lap traffic to contend with. Just Ernie Irvin about five truck lengths behind him. Here he comes off of turn number four. The crowd in Phoenix on its feet, waving the first ever NASCAR Super Truck Series by Craftsman Champion. That was a big moment to come back or, or to, to be the first champion and win the first race of the year and the last race of the year was, was, was one of those things that really stick out in my mind. In the early days of the NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series, to win, you must first beat Ron Hornaday Jr., Mike Skinner, or our next legend, Jack Sprague. Into the dogleg, Jack Sprague takes his green and white Chevrolet down the short piece of Here comes Jack Sprague down to the start-finish line. Checkered flag is out. He will win for the fourth time this year. Each of the wins coming on a one-mile speedway. And Jack Sprague is the race winner. And as we see it, the 1999 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion. Oh, my, what an ending. Waffle comes down to the line. A last-moment charge. Jack Sprague powers by by inches at the start-finish line. Talk about a photo finish. Jack, what's it like to be at Victory Lane at Daytona? I'm not sure yet. It's, it's awesome. Before Jack Sprague became a Truck Series superstar, he was the one to beat on the local circuit. MRN pit reporter Woody Kane. When I came up doing cable TV out at Concord Motorsport Park, it was Concord Speedway at the time, Jack Sprague was one of the big dogs out there, and he used to win almost everything that was going on out there, and that led to... Uh, a Bush Series ride. It was a Bush Series at the time when he moved up, but he was winning everything out at Concord at the time. He, they used to call him, as a matter of fact, One Track Jack because people used to say, well, that's the only place you can win. Well, he proved him wrong because he went out and won a bunch of other races. But coming up, I got to know him. One time we were waiting in the media line to get our credentials to get into the track, me and one of the guys that I was on the air with. So unbeknownst to us, Jack was driving a pickup truck and comes inching up behind us. And we're talking, not really paying attention. And next thing you know, my buddy gets bumped. And he looks behind him. Well, it's Jack's truck. And he put the bumper of that truck right in his pocket and kind of lifted his butt up in the air with his truck. And we're like, what are you doing? He's just sitting back in there laughing his butt off because he's having a good time playing around, joking around, trying to have fun. MRN lead anchor, Jeff Striegel. Jack Sprague was a guy that I was able to actually watch uh, on the short tracks growing up because he was from uh, the state of Michigan. So I had a chance to see him uh, run some short track events uh, locally before I saw him 
uh, become a big name in the truck series. And he was somebody that I always pulled for just because of, of that relationship. Uh, and, and, you know, when I watched him uh, younger on the short tracks in Michigan, I always felt like he had the talent if he was given the opportunity. And he proved me right because he certainly has an awful lot of talent. He was able to showcase that uh, in his trucks. When NASCAR announced that there will be a new truck series in 1995, Jack Sprague didn't have much faith that it would work or be around for very long. I had no desire. I had no interest. I had, I never even thought I'd end up in that series. I thought it was going to be a flash in the pan and be over with. Well, I'd been in and out of the Bush series at that time, the Xfinity series now, but um, and doing the late model thing, my own late models, and, and drive, working for Robert Hamke building race cars. And actually him and... Uh, Robert Hamke and Bruce Griffin were friends, and Gary Blue was, was tagged to drive that truck of, of Bruce Griffin's, and he got himself in some trouble, and we had one of his trucks up there, the Hamke's working on it, and uh, Bruce came to get it, and he said, you want to drive this thing? Sure. I mean, what else have I got to do? <laughs> pay, my, pay for my own racing in the late model or take a chance at this? So we worked on the truck and took it to Phoenix, and here we are 25 years later. Jack Sprague remembers the inaugural race at ISM Raceway in 1995. Everybody was new at the trucks, so I wasn't stepping in at a horrible disadvantage except to, you know, your children's teams with Skinner and your Horner days with Earnhardt. I mean, I was in the, you know, we had two trucks, dude. I mean, this was a two-truck operation. That's all we had. And we went to Phoenix, and, um, man, I just, I was, I can remember being just so nervous. I just got to make this race. I got to make this race. This is a long ways out here, you know. We drove out there. We didn't fly nowhere. In 95, we drove the toter home with a Featherlight trailer with everything we had in this trailer. We spent five weeks on the West Coast between Seattle, Portland, Phoenix, never came home. And I had a brand new baby, Paige, and it was tough. But So we get to Phoenix, and we qualify for the race, and I'm like, oh. well, then we run the race. And I think I, you might know better than me. I finished seventh or fifth or something. I was like, this is pretty cool. It didn't drive near as bad as I thought it would as far as being a truck. It was fun. Um, sliding around, the rest is history. I, I, I loved it from the first time I'd, I made laps at Phoenix and uh, still loved it, still love it. Later that same season, Sprague landed a job racing for Hendrick Motorsports. There wasn't no phone call. I bugged it, bugged and bugged and bugged him. Jimmy Johnson, uh, the late Jimmy Johnson, ran the program over there, ran everything, ran motorsports. And uh, Dennis Connor was the engine guy on Billy Hess's truck that was Rick Hendrick hired Billy Hess to run his truck program with Scott Legacy. Well, Dennis Connor was the engine guy, which was, he was hired to be the engine guy and then the crew chief at the following year when Hendrick brought it back in house in 96. Mm -hmm. So Billy ran the deal in 95, Billy Hess. So Dennis, I didn't know it wanted me to drive it. Well, then Dennis got talking to me at the racetrack toward the middle of 95, two-third point in 95. Did you need to call Jimmy Johnson. Well, I called him two, three times a week. Kept calling him. I'm like, they're gonna hire me or they're gonna hate me. I mean, what? You know, I knew it was down to me and Dennis Setzer. And I think Setzer would have got the deal, except he decided he wanted to go drive in the Bush Series for on the, in the Alliance car, mm -hmm. which I think got me the ride. So finally, anyway, I'm bugging Jimmy Johnson and I'm bugging him. And I'm telling him, I'm sorry, I'm bugging you, dude. I just and the Bruce Griffin deal was coming to an end. I mean, I was spending my money. And I was broke, and I wasn't getting money, and it was literally get the payoff check from the race, buy tires the next week. It was that. 
and it was it was getting tough. So finally, he says, I called him one day, and he says, can you be here in an hour? Yeah. I'm working in Kannapolis in this little shop with our two little trucks, and I haul butt over there. I didn't go change or nothing. I was all work dirty, and I went to Jimmy Johnson's office. He says, how you doing? I said, good. He said, hang on a minute. Hit speakerphone, and Rick gets on there. He says, hey. I said, hey, Rick. I said, hey, Mr. Hendrick. He says, you think you can drive my piece of crap trucks? I said, I'm pretty sure I can. Absolutely. He says, all right, we're going to give you a shot. Well, it wasn't that simple, dude. It wasn't like they just signed me. He says, okay, we're going to go to Phoenix this week and see how you do. And then if we're okay, we're going to go to Flemington the following week. Like, Flemington, you got to be kidding me. So we go to Phoenix. We test. Terry's racing, too. We're both in Hendrick trucks. We're both fast thing there in the test. I think I was a little faster. We go back. We qualify. I think Terry sat on the pole or qualified second. Something happened. We got really tight and qualified like 20th. I'm like, oh, man. So then we start to race. I started on the outside, I remember, and we were going on into one, and my radio's messed up, and I was like, here, it's... So I turned down, and I come down on Butch Miller. He spun me. I back in the fence. Dude, we ain't even made a corner. I got the back knocked off this thing. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, I have just screwed my deal up. As we got trouble midway through the back. One truck spins around. It's Jack Sprague. He'll collect two, three, four, five other trucks. Massive pileup in turn number two as the field exits four. Come in, they beat it out. We run the rest of the race. It wasn't good. We were, we were getting bent all up. I've just ruined my career. I know there's no way in the world they're going to hire me. Why, why? I mean, that was bad. Jimmy Johnson walks up. I'm like, looking at him like, oh, crap. He says, be in my office tomorrow at noon. He says, we're going to sign you. Sprague went on to win 28 races and three championships in 1997, 1999, and 2001. In one of the most amazing displays of showboating, Jack Sprague, I believe, is trying to make his rear tires burst into flame. <laughs> He's sitting on the start-finish line here. And, and our Jason Toys in hot pursuit. He's going to come to talk to, uh, talk to Jack. But it got so bad that the starter had to wave the red flag to tell Jack to stop. The whole team, all of the media, coming out now to talk to Jack Sprague, the 2001 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion. Jack Sprague left the NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series after claiming the 2001 championship, only to return in 2004 for Express Motorsports. Travis Kloppel remembers that you're racing against Jack. No, he's, he's very similar to Ron Hornaday. Just a hardcore racer. Don't cut you no slack. Um, probably the the one story that always sticks out about Jack was in 2004 I had moved out of the Express Motorsports truck into the Toyota team and Jack actually kind of I read it's funny I read on Jayski that I had lost my ride and going into at the end of the 03 season I'm leading the points you know running for the championship and it says you know Jack Sprague's going to drive for Express Motorsports in 04 and I was like dang that's that's a kind of crappy way to, to, to learn about the situation. And so right away I was kind of torqued, you know, about the whole situation. And, um, but landed on my feet getting the Toyota thing. So here we are at Martinsville, fast forward six months. In the 04 season, I'm, re I'm leading the race. And Jack's, Jack's coming. He's running me down. And it's, it's winding down. We're probably within 15 or 20 to go at the end. And it was... It was going to be me or him. We're going to win the race because we would we were distance ourselves from third, and I'll never forget it. 
and this this kind of sums up Jack Sprague in like one corner. He didn't the very first corner he caught me, he got to my bumper, he turned me around. And it wasn't like, you know, I'm gonna race you a couple times, see if you give me a lane or gonna give you a couple shots. It was just dump me. Now we told you we have a battle for the lead. It erupted in chaos in turn two. Mike Bagley. Well, Joe, we told you at the top of the broadcast that things get physical here at Martinsville, and it just got physical for the lead. Jack Sprague, in the effort to open up the inside lane and take the lead away from Travis Quapple, made contact with Travis, sent him spinning. He came back down, collected Jack, and they both made contact with the outside wall. And whether he did it on purpose or not, I'll never know. I was mad. He was mad. You know, he he says I blocked him. I'm like, man, you just caught me. Like. You gave me one corner, you know, and uh, but that, you know, he's obviously he's a hard nosed racer. He's won a lot of races and, uh, you know, and championships for that matter. So, you know, it, it, I'll never forget it. And that was uh, that was that was that's my Jack Sprague story. Looking back at his 13 year tenure, Jack Sprague feels accomplished for what he achieved in the truck series. No, I mean, I won fortunate enough to win at two of the racetracks I never thought we'd win at. You know, we let some races get away, and we got some we shouldn't have. So, no, I'm, I can, I'm proud. I'm proud of what we've accomplished. I'm proud of what Dennis and I and, and Rick have accomplished in our whole team. So, and the Weilers and, and Dave Fuge, and I've raced with some great people and, and won some races and had a lot of fun doing it. In 2004, a familiar but new name arrived on the scene of the truck series, and the success came quickly. Bodine beats Musgrave by half a truck length. Todd Bodine wins his very first NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race. What a finish at Fontana. And nobody can do anything with him. Rick Crawford tries. He's going to come up short as Todd Bodine comes down to the line. Crawford flares out to the inside, Johnny Benson. But Todd Bodine comes back. Todd Bodine able to get away one more time. Off turn number four for Todd Bodine. Here comes the onion back into the trial at Daytona. Got a nice lead over Kyle Busch, who now is struggling for second. Todd Bodine wins four in a row on super speedways. Todd Bodine got his first taste of the truck series in its very first season back in 1995. Well, I, you know, with this truck series, everybody knew it was coming. We, we'd heard about it and, and talked about it, and there were rumors flying in the garage and all that. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd watched the start of it that season, and about halfway through, well, it was before halfway through the season, Jack Roush called me about driving his truck for a few races. Uh, they were just getting the truck team started. I uh, needed someone with some experience to get in there. And so I drove I drove four races for Jack uh, at the end of the 95 season. Um, so I got my experience right off the bat with it and really fell in love with it right off the bat because it was so much fun. It's you know Back then it was truly a short track series, uh, just like what we all grew up doing, and, and we all had a ball. After those five starts in 1995, it would be 2004 before Todd returned to Truck Series racing. The year before, in 03, I was racing for Travis Carter in the Cup Series. And we had National Guard for a sponsor. And at the end of the series, with no warning, they told us they weren't coming back for 04. Um, and at that point, there's no jobs to be found. You're not going to just call somebody. and get, you got to start that stuff in the middle of the season. So here I am. I, I don't have a job. And I had a friend, Larry Gunzelman, who had a cup car, and uh, he was doing some start and park stuff and asked me if I'd do it for him. And, you know, you got to pay the bills. you got to keep it going. 
be there every week to try to get a job. And so I did that at the start of the year. And Mike Hillman Sr. called me. Well, me and Mike have been friends forever. And said, hey, I got these three brothers from Ohio. Uh, we're going to start a truck team. And it's going to be a Toyota. Uh, they have Toyota dealerships, so it's going to be a Toyota. And I want you to drive it. He said, you want to do it? I said, are you kidding me? I would love to do it. Uh, you know, I know everybody knew back then what Toyota, Toyota was going to mean to NASCAR. It was the kind of support they were going to give their teams, the kind of support they were going to give the, uh, the sanctioning body and everything that goes with it. I wanted to be a part of it, you know, so I went down there, which is another funny story. So I go down there, beautiful midsummer day, and I roll up in the shop. It was down by the Speedway and go in the office, and there's Mike and these three guys with suits and ties on. And Mike introduced me. Hey, this is Rick Germain. This is Steve Germain. And this is Bob Germain. I said, what are you doing, guys? You know, and shake their hands. And Steve, who is, is the, the funny one of the three, he looks up at me. I'm dressed. I got a T-shirt on, shorts, and flip-flops. He says, he says, is this how you come for a job interview, dressed like this? And he was serious as a heart attack. He's like, what are you doing? I said, well, I didn't think I was coming for an interview. I thought I already had the job. So <laughs> that got a big chuckle, and he, uh, we laughed about it and kept going, and the rest is history. I mean, we, we started that year. Uh, first race was Richmond. We finished fourth. Um, I think the third race, there was a race in between there. I can't remember what it was, but the third race was Las Vegas, and we had it won. Uh, we had the fastest truck. We drove away from the field, and with 25 laps to go, caution came out. Shane Meal came in and put tires on, and nobody else did. He, of course, he started behind all those guys that stayed out, and he drove through the pack. And I, I pulled away from second place by half a straightaway, and he ran me down with the new tires, and I held him off for about four laps. And finally, coming for the white flag, he just moved me out of the way. And he ended up winning the race at Vegas, and I finished second. And we went on, and we won the next two races, Texas and Fontana. And, you know, we were on our way then. We knew we had a good race team, and we were going to race full-time the next year. And, you know, the rest is history. MRN pit reporter Jason Toy. One of the great things for him, I think, it going into the truck series kind of rejuvenated his career. You know, Todd had good success in the, in the Bush series, and the Bush North series as well. And then... But when he got in the truck series and driving for, you know, teams like Jermaine and some other drivers, other teams as well, he had great success, obviously, with Jermaine and being able to bring that team to the forefront. And, of course, now they're in the Cup Series and uh, running there with the 13. But they were running for championships with that, that team that was, you know, with ownership out of Columbus, Ohio. And Todd was able to give them uh, uh, the experience, you know, with Toyota's help as well with that program to be one of their flagship uh, teams there for Toyota he really kind of established that race program for him and running for championships. You know, when, when Jack kind of uh, left a little bit with the series, it came down a lot of times with Todd and, and Ron. And, you know, they developed a friendship both on the track and off the track as well. But they ran hard against each other every single lap they were on that racetrack. And, uh, you know, Todd kept that same enthusiasm from the first time he came into the truck series to whenever he jumps in occasionally over the last couple of years. And now he does in broadcasting. I think he has that same personality. And uh, Todd was a, you know, was a fighter. He was a, he was a spark plug in the aspect that he would 
uh, fight for what he wanted. He would go for the win when he needed to. And you know what? It paid off a lot of times. And a lot of times we saw Todd back in the garage area because he would try to go for those positions or go for those wins, and it didn't quite work out. But you know what? Every race, he was pushing the envelope to be able to try to go for that win and that championship. Todd Bodine got his first win in the Truck Series back on October 2nd, 2004 at the Auto Club Speedway. It was just his fourth time out with Jermaine Racing. Todd Bodine wins his very first NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race. What a finish at Fontana. You know, it's about people. This sport's about people. Uh, Toyota was great enough to supply us with incredible equipment. The truck and the motor, everybody at TRD does such a great job. And, you know, it starts with the top with the car owners, Don Arnold, Jermaine Brothers. You know, they hired the right guy, Mike Hillman, and he put together a great crew, and here we are. Victory lane, fourth time out. We really feel like this could have been our third win out of four, but, you know, finally get one, we're happy. When we got, when we were racing, that, that we had something special, that we, this team was, it was full of very good people, first of all, that, that are fun. We didn't have any attitudes, and good people that knew their jobs and knew how to do their jobs. So we, we understood the position we were in. And when we won that first race, it's like, yeah, okay, here we go. We're, we're going to do this. We're going to be successful here, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, the Germains, uh, it was really their first first time into racing, owning a team. And they were excited, and they wanted to, to invest in their team and make it better. So I knew that everything that they could give us, everything Toyota could give us, having all those people there that were doing their jobs that well – Sky was the limit. Todd Bodine won 22 races in his Truck Series career, along with two championships in 2006 and 2010. And Todd Bodine's point lead, 202 over Eric Almarola. Todd has clinched the 2010 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Championship. We talked to Brother Brett this morning in the airport, and he was talking about the different paths that all the Bodine brothers took. And the first championship, you said, this was for the Bodine brothers. Is this one a little bit for Todd? <laughs> well, I, you know, not. I don't. I don't look at this that way. I, you know, maybe I'm different than other drivers or whatever. But I don't look at it that way. Um, you know, this is about this team. I'm just the, the guy that gets the end result of a lot of hard work. And and these guys are the ones that that put the work in week after week and get it done. And we uh, we're lucky to get it done twice. Another legend in the NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series is Matt Crafton. McCombie looks high. McCombie looks low. Cannot do anything. Matt Crafton is going to victory lane at Lowe's Motor Speedway. Matt Crafton comes off turn number four to the line. He will win for the first time in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series tonight. He only led one lap, but it was the most important lap and just enough fuel for Matt Crafton across the line. And Matt Crafton has stole the win here tonight at the Kansas Speedway. Checkered flag in the air on Friday the 13th. It's career win 13 for Matt Crafton in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Fans on their feet through the dust in turn four. They see the Menards Toyota and Matt Crafton wins the fifth annual Eldora Dirt Derby 150. Matt Crafton has been a part of the Truck Series for the better part of the last 20 years. His first start was at Auto Club Speedway in 2000. I was beyond nervous. I mean, I, the, now the day and age of... Uh, having to go through different half mile to mile mile and a half racetrack that that really wasn't a thing back then we had raced phoenix in a southwest tour car late model i did run a las vegas one time in a 
the Southwest Tour car and they put restricted place on us. But I, I'd never been in a heavy vehicle or anything like that. And my, my first race was Montana. Talk about being thrown <laughs> in the wolves. Figured it out. I, mean, I, I, I was old enough now and or old enough and mature enough to, to figure it out. I wasn't like I was 18 years old trying to figure it out. I was 24, 23 at that point. MRN Pit reporter Steve Post. Matt is another guy that the truck series has just really suited him well. Um, he kind of came in, and I think the, the thing with Matt, while while a lot of the other guys in the truck series, like a Hornaday, like a Skinner, like a Bodine, uh, did a fair amount of winning in their early years, Matt came in, and his way of doing business was just kill him with consistency. And he was always consistent, very, very strong, always there, never took himself out, always ran in the top five, very, very solid. Later in his life, later in his career, he got so he was winning on a regular basis, and that'll do it. I mean, if you if you run in the top five long enough, you're a certain number of those are going to come up wins. And 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 Matt went with the consistency for quite some time. I, I think the thing that stands out with Matt is that uh, a, a couple of things with Matt. The first one that 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 strikes me is his commitment to uh, to the sport and to the Truck Series and what it was. Uh, we decided in the Truck Series that we were going to go run at Eldora. And that was a huge change for Matt Crafton, who always raced asphalt all of his life. What I respect so much about Matt is that he actually bought a dirt modified and went up in the Ohio area, up near Sandusky, Ohio, where the team is located. And he would go out on his off weekends and run that dirt modified and get comfortable sliding a car and dirt tracking a car and pedaling a car and doing things great dirt track racers do. Well, lo and behold, he goes and does all of that. And here we roll into Eldora and... We're kind of shocked when Matt Crafton's standing in victory lane, but when you put it together, he's a tremendously talented race car driver with a great team. And, oh, by the way, now he does have that dirt track experience. So his commitment to that, to me, was always um, just uh, fascinating to me and how he did that and how he took to dirt track racing. And now he still runs a dirt modified. It's kind of like, well, now that school is done with the dirt track stuff, he still enjoys doing it. Travis Quapple says Crafton and his team, Thor Sport Racing, have come a long way since entering into the sport. Matt's really cool. He's he's I think he's the same age as me. We came into the sport at the exact same time. He came from the Southwest Tour Super Late Models. I came from the Midwest Super Late Models. And uh, you know, those first few seasons I you know, I knew Matt is an amazing driver. When when Thor Sport was younger, you know, they weren't they weren't very good, you know, quite honestly. Uh, in the early 2000s so I really felt bad for Matt you know suffering through that and he had seems like he always had horrible pit stops he would get up there and run in the top five and then a pit stop would push him back five or eight spots and he never got the finish or the results to show for his ability so really happy for Matt over the past decade how that team Thor Sport has turned around and you know got all the resources and the funding and everything to really do it right and he's showing what he can do on track uh another great guy you know he's he's a california guy so a little you know i, I don't really relate real well being from wisconsin but you know we're we were like i said we were kind of the same age came in at the into the truck series at the same time so I, I felt like of all the guys you know that that we were racing with matt was kind of one of the one of the guys i'd hang out with and talk to at the racetrack in 2013, Matt Crafton won his first Truck Series title and then backed it up with his second the very next year. And we've made history. We have indeed. Matt Crafton across the stripe. He will finish in the ninth position. He is the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion 
for the second year in a row. The, the first year was by far the hardest just because you you talk yourself out of it every week. I mean, you, you, you talk yourself, how can I screw this up? How can we screw this up? How can we lose this thing? I mean, all we had to do the final race was go to Homestead and start the motor and take the green flag. And I mean, I was a nervous wreck on that Thursday night going to the racetrack. And all I had to do is start my motor mm-hmm. to, to go to Homestead, and I was still junk. My first one. But once I got that first one out of the way, the next year, I I slept great. I slept like a baby every night. In 13, my first championship, the last three months, coming up to that final race, we were leading the, the points as big of oranges we had. There was a lot of sleepless nights. I had a newborn at that time, too, and and I had a championship that I'm trying to win. Matt Crafton has made over 430 starts in the truck series, and year after year, he returns to the series with Thor Sport Racing. I can remember watching the, the Super Truck Series back in the day in 1995, sitting in my dad's shop, sitting on the stool with our little 18-inch TV and watching the, the Super Truck Series at Tucson and watching with Mesa Marin and... I'll never forget watching the very first race here at Daytona, and I, I didn't have my shot then. And that was always a series that I watched. And man, oh, that is some awesome short track racing, bumping and grinding, and they got it done. And I always consider it like we'll call it the the college football. To I mean, the cup level is the the, the superstars. So we'll call them that 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 and. Whenever the college football players, you always see the best football games in college. Am I right? I mean, you yeah. see those players hit each other harder than any of them NFL players are going to hit each other because they're out there to prove something. And that's where I feel the truck series is all about. We are out there to prove something, to go, we can go run with those cup guys. And I know, I know me, I know I felt that I could have went and ran with them and did everything if I, it, it was the right opportunity. But I was always very happy with what doing what I was doing and run 23 to 25 races a year and get to have a life. And I went and ran some cup races. And I ran some Xfinity races. I finished third three, two different times in an Xfinity car, and it was great. I mean, mm-hmm. But I love where I'm at. The latest name to be added to the Truck Series list of legends is Johnny Sauter. For the 20th time in his career, but for the first time here at Charlotte Motor Speedway, Johnny Sauter wins. He picks up the win. It will be a memorable night for the 31-year-old rookie, Johnny Sauter, as he takes the win at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The only truck across the start-finish line is going to be Johnny Sauter. A huge crash. For the final time into turns three and four, Johnny Sauter is looking for victory and a chance to race for a championship. Johnny Sauter's been racing full-time at the the truck series since 2009 but the family name has been around the series much longer than that you know i grew up watching the series as a kid watching my brothers race in it back when it was the super truck series and they had the halfway breaks and all that so um truck series has always been special to me so um and then to, to race in the truck series and now ultimately take that long to get a championship um that even makes it more special because you you pour your heart and soul into something like that and, and to get the championship that's just uh to me, it's it's a lot of the guys that I grew up watching race, Hornaday and, and Skinner and all those, Johnny Benson, my childhood hero, and all those kind of guys to say, hey, I'm a champion just like they are. That's pretty special. MRN's Woody Kane. Johnny always struck me as just the old school racer. Just that, that guy, if you look in the dictionary or an encyclopedia, 
people don't even know what those are anymore. But, you know, if you flip through the pages, old school racer, that's Johnny Sauter. His whole family race, that's what he's done his whole life. And he always just struck me as a guy who was just all about the racing. Didn't really care about the politics of it or how popular he was or how many Twitter followers he had. He just wanted to go race, wanted to win, wanted to be competitive. And one of the things that always jumped out at me about a guy like that is he's always so, been so willing to talk in the garage when you're there. Every time I talk to that guy, I learn something. And I can't say that about everybody. Some guys are just, you know, friendly and want to chit-chat and stuff like that. But he was always a guy who had genuine knowledge about whatever you wanted to ask him about and didn't mind sharing it. And that's kind of rare these days. Johnny Sauter remembers his dad giving him advice on aggressive driving. Boy, you know, my dad was uh, a great racer. And, and um, you know, he was a thinker, you know, and... and, and and I always felt like you just want to make them proud. You know what I'm saying? Like, I try to emulate my dad in, in a lot of ways, you know, and, and maybe more aggressive than he was. He always told me, he goes, you'd have a great career if you just shut your mouth. <laughs> and, and I, it took me a while to figure that out. But, um, you know, I just think the world of my dad. And, and um, But, you know, I always felt like I was, um, you know, digging and clawing to figure out how I was going to get to the racetrack, you know. And, and uh, I built my own first race car. and. Had to borrow a truck to haul the thing there, and, and, you know, we built the trailer at home to haul it to the racetrack, and just a different time, you know, and, and I remember the first time, my dad never gave me a dime, you know, I bought it, I took a piece of sheet metal off the rack and, and tried to cover up, make a patch on the firewall, and he says, you're going to have to pay for that piece of sheet metal, you know, and, and... Now, I'll never forget, like, six races into the year, I was wrecking every week. He's like, you're just too aggressive. You're too aggressive. you got to back the corners up. You're dumping these guys. I kept wrecking them, and, and uh, I think I went through, like, five radiators in a row. And he bought me a new set of tires, and it was, like, 300 bucks. I was like, holy cow, you know, that was, that was the ultimate, you know. But he only went with me for, like, five nights maybe, and then you were on your own. So I just always wanted to make good, um, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a reflection on you as a driver, and, and you want to do the best that you can, and... and um, you know, I like to race hard, and that's the way it is. Johnny earned his first championship in 2016, and it was a special moment for the Sauter family. And for the first time in his career, Johnny Sauter is the champion of the NASCAR Campy World Truck Series. Let's go to Winston Kelly in the championship pit. And a career that started 13 years ago in 2003 and 198 starts. He's been in all three of NASCAR's top three divisions. Johnny Sauter is now a NASCAR Touring Division champion. You know, this is awesome. My wife and kids are here, and, uh, you know, to be a champion, I, you know, I'm, I'm speechless, so this is so cool. Um, you know, I said it before, but five years ago today, my dad was down here with me when we won the race, and uh, so this is for him. This is a big deal. You mentioned your dad, your whole family's raced their entire lives. The first one to have a NASCAR National Touring Series championship. What does that mean to Johnny Sauter? Well, it means a lot to me, but to be honest with you, it means a lot to the family. I, I've said it for two weeks, you know, what does a champion mean to, championship mean to you? And I'm like, I don't know what it means to me because I've never won a NASCAR championship, but, uh, you know, it was going to be very special for my family. I, you know, not just NASCAR racing, but racing across the board for however many years my dad did. I mean, this, there's been a Sauter racing, like Michael Waltrip said, for as long as he can remember, some 40 years. Coming up on the next episode of MRN Presents the Tough Trucks of NASCAR, 25 years and still trucking, we'll go back to the first time the Truck Series visited the World Center of Racing, Daytona International Speedway. Contact, Morgan into Bush. Now trucks crashing along the outside wall. One truck spinning and crashing and tumbling from the trioval down towards turn number one. Upside down, flames shooting from the machine as it's hit by another machine. We got in my car 
drove us over to the hospital, and just me and Brett, by the time we got over there, he was already there and already been checked out. And, of course, we're white as a ghost, ready to cry. And the doctor comes out and says, you guys want to talk to him? We're like, are you kidding me? He's okay? Yep. Nothing wrong with him. Until next time, I'm Mike Beck. Today's program was a presentation of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida. The Tough Trucks of NASCAR, 25 Years and Still Trucking was written and produced by Rich Culbreth. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.